Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Lilith Moon. She is a healer, a modern-day shaman, a business coach, and the creator of Shamanic Yoga. Welcome, Lilith. How are you doing today? Hi, Brad. So happy to be here. I am so excited and honored to have you here today. I cannot wait to jump in. So with that being said, let's get started. So you wear all of those hats, as I mentioned that is a hell of a lot of hats you wear and one hell of an extensive resume. And it would seem that most of these hats are very closely tied in together with one another. How do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So, yeah, I mean, the amazing thing is that although I am a shamanic healer and teacher and a spiritual business coach and a creatrix, all of it really flows together. All of it really is one. So, I perform healings and I create practices and then I teach others how to do the same and how to make money by doing so. So it's really this equation of purpose plus power equals prosperity. And I really cover that whole equation in my work. I love that purpose plus power equals prosperity. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, when it comes to, you know, what you said about prioritization um, Mm -hmm. and organization, I mean, absolutely. I couldn't do it all without focus. That's very true. Focus is... You know, I I think I just really know what's important to me. And that's what I focus my time and my energy on. And I am really good at that, especially because, you know, in my work, it's one thing, but I'm also a mom. And in addition to a child, I also have four fur babies. So, (laughs) you know, organization is important in my life when it comes to my work and to the work-life balance. But really, you know, especially when it comes to my work, there is so much flow, you know, I do it all from intuition. And that's how, you know, I don't really have to change any hats at all, because it's all really one thing. And the only thing that I really plan ahead for is client sessions. And the whole creation process is not planned. It just happens when the time is right. All I really need to do is make sure that I'm tapped into my innate magic, connected to spirit, willing to be of service by being me. And from there, you know, things flow. Beautiful. Now, with you wearing multiple hats and being a multi-passionate entrepreneur, I'd love to know, what does your morning routine look like? That's also a great question. My morning routine is really sacred to me. When I first wake up, I perform Jalaniti, which is a yogic cleansing practice. And then I go on to do some asana to wake up and energize my body. And from there, I meditate, connecting to Mother Earth and Father Sky, you know, connecting to my own humanness and my own divinity at the same time. And 
that's really like a little slice of enlightenment right there every morning. <laughs> and with, without that, I couldn't do it for sure. Those are non-negotiables. Yes, absolutely. And so what were you doing for a living before making the jump into entrepreneurship? And what inspired that leap into entrepreneurship for you? Yeah, so I already started my business at age 25, the same year that my son was born. And before that, I was a student. I was studying comparative literature, creative writing, entrepreneurship, and diplomacy at the universities of Vienna and St. Andrews. And I financed my studies by working for the Austrian Red Cross as a manager of fundraising teams. And what inspired me to become an entrepreneur, well, really, it all started in my childhood, I guess, because my dad is a musician and music producer. My mom was a model, a singer, an artist and studio manager. Even my grandpa was an entrepreneur. He was repairing, <laughs> selling and restoring cars. And my great grandma was already an entrepreneur. She was an, an opera singer. So really, I think entrepreneurship is in my blood. But, you know, I was studying and set on becoming an author when I was really very suddenly and unexpectedly initiated into shamanism. So I feel like this path is not one that I've chosen. It's one that was chosen for me. And all I really had to do was say yes. Stand and step into it. Exactly. Follow the signs. And, you know, when I got pregnant a year after my second initiation, my partner of three years left me because of the pregnancy. And then, you know, wow. I knew that the time to make money had come because I really didn't have a, a choice. And so I... I started my work as a healer and as a shamanic yoga teacher two months after my son was born. So what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do? That's a really good question. You know, I think what many of us do is when we try to excel at something is that we push, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, my masculine side is naturally overactive in me. I'm Aries. My element is fire. It's my element. So taking action really comes very natural to me, but I've learned that it's relaxing back into my femininity, into my intuition, into my inner knowing that really creates the results that I want. So, you know, as much as I can, I surrender to what I'm shown the world needs from me and I take aligned action from there. And when it comes to excelling at what I do, I feel like it's easy because I'm basically just being me, you know, I don't study yeah. it. I don't study other people's work. I don't even really follow other people's work. <laughs> it's like my magic really comes from within. So all I have to do is really make sure that I'm tapped deeply into my own heart and soul, my very essence. And it's from there that my practices are created. And that's, you know, why they are so powerful, because they're not a conglomerate of regurgitated content, but they're pure, they're direct revelations, they're channelings from spirit and filtered only through my unique blend of abilities and gifts, my own voice, my energy. And so it's, yeah, that's really what I have to do. My number one focus is that spirit connection. And that's what makes me good at what I do. I love that you mentioned the fact that you don't push because mm -hmm. when we push, it causes blockages, I think, and it doesn't allow things to flow properly. Yeah, absolutely. So I love that you shared that. What inspired your journey or your mission into the world of empowering women healers? Why did you decide to focus your energy and business on helping to empower women specifically? Did this journey begin with some of your own personal struggles? Um, yeah. So first of all, this is about wanting to be of service to my clients in the best possible way. And I am a woman and therefore I'm just so much more in touch with what women want, how women think, how women feel and in my work, the most important thing is that I understand my clients intimately. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to help them in such life-changing ways. 
And the second reason for me wanting to work exclusively with women, which is not completely true. I do work privately with some men, but in my group containers, it is only women. And that's because, you know, in, in today's world, most of the famous shamans are men. So I don't train men in shamanism because they already have relatively easy access to it. And, you know, in general, we live in a man's world. And I believe it's when women and men both start to live their feminine side more again, that our world will finally see so much more peace and prosperity again. And, you know, shamanism itself is an absolutely feminine practice. We cannot access higher consciousness without calming the mind, which is masculine in nature and relaxing back into our feminine heart, which is the gateway to spirit. It's the central chakra, the central energy center in our system, the one that connects the lower chakras to the higher chakras. And so empowering women to become shamans with successful businesses, which is really what I do, empowering women spiritually and financially by helping them to develop awareness and also the abilities to help others in return. That for me really is the most powerful way to help all of humanity. Yes, when women are empowered, it creates a ripple effect throughout the world that helps to change things. And we need to start stepping up and stepping into that as men as well to show that we and to let women know that we are standing beside, we're allies and we support you and hear you and see you. And that will cause a ripple effect around the world. Exactly. And it will benefit but, everybody. Yeah. And that's why I love your work also so much. So thank you so much thank for you. doing that. It is my pleasure and my honor. Again, like you said, it chose me. I didn't choose it. so I totally believe you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the spiritual side of things. So my next question that I just, I have to ask, what is shamanic yoga and how did it come to be created? What was the inspiration behind its creation? That's a really good one. So shamanic yoga is a fusion of yogic and shamanic practices. And I created shamanic asana, shamanic pranayama, and shamanic meditations to be able to teach shamanism safely, step-by-step online. So it starts with the body, learning to strengthen and relax it at the same time. From there, we go deeper. It's about learning how to calm the mind then. And the next step is going even deeper into the heart, learning how to open and activate the heart space, release negative emotions, and heal And from there, we can access the soul and spirit level of reality. So it's really this step-by-step of of going within. And, you know, I developed it all, or rather, you know, I downloaded it. It all came just so naturally. After my shamanic training, which I started in a group of 40 people before I did one-on-one work with that shaman, and, you know, very few of them had the same incredible experiences that I had. And many of them left and never completed their apprenticeship. And over the course of weeks and months of working with these people, I realized why it was all so much easier for me. It's because I had been a yogini since the age of 19. And so my body was strong, but relaxed. I could calm my mind and access my heart at will. And all of that is simply necessary to enter a deep trance state. Beautiful. I love it. How powerful. I mean, (laughs) just incredible. Thank you. When and how did you realize you had the gift of being a healer? And did you struggle internally at all to understand and realize the gifts you had? Or was it fairly easy for you to embrace? (laughs) That's a really interesting one. So it wasn't a struggle, but it came as a complete shock. So (laughs) it's like my first initiation happened when I was on a train ride. I was on the way to the Red Cross encampment that I was supposed to be managing that whole summer, which I had to, in the end, 
leave doing. I left my whole team of 12 people there oh. because crazy stuff happened. So on a train ride, my partner, who was also my co-leader, he had a really nasty cough. And I was super anxious because the job that we were about to be doing was super demanding physically. It was basically a 24-7 job. And I really had this intense desire to heal him from that cough. So I put my hands on his chest without even thinking much about it. We were watching a film on the train. It was a very long train ride. You know, Austria is a small but very long country. We were going from right. one end to the other. And, you know, I, I put my hands on his chest and all of a sudden he stopped coughing and I had the cough and I started coughing. <laughs> Holy and you know what? Shit. Yes, it was super crazy. And you know what? This is what many, many people do that are called to being healers, but they don't have the training. They take the pain of their clients into themselves. So I had my training at the time. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. So I started to cough like crazy and I was super panicky. I'd never done anything like that before. That was just crazy. It just happened. And so I went away to a place where I could be by myself. I basically sat down on the floor between the, the wagons and I was just like holding my head in, in my arms and I was shaking and all of a sudden it got even crazier. There was a voice that started talking to me. And I realized much later that that was my higher self. But at the time I was super panicked. And the voice said to me that I was not meant to become a writer. I was meant to become a healer. And although that was a really strange message for me at the time, because I wanted to become a writer since the age of 12, I just calmed down because that voice was such a beautiful, calming voice. And I calmed down and I knew this voice was good and I started to feel safe. And then the voice told me that I would meet my first shamanic teacher soon. And I had no idea what shamanism was at that time. <laughs> so that's the first time I heard the word shamanism. It was, it was coming from within. And so I really tried to do that work for the Red Cross, like I had done summer after summer, and I simply couldn't. I had another initiation where I was called to a mountaintop and it was just crazy. And then I, I quit that job. I quit my studies. I, my super prestigious studies at the university. And I left for India where I did my second yoga teacher training. And there I also met my first shamanic teacher, just like the voice had said. And then I continued to learn for close to two years with her teacher back in Austria. So that's how it all started. <laughs> what was the first thought that popped into your head when you put your hands on your partner's chest? And the, like, was the cough transference immediate? Yeah, pretty much. I just closed my eyes and I had this intense wish for him to feel better. And he did, you know, problem was to And so what was the first thought that popped into your head when that happened? Like, oh my God. I was really, really panicking. I was, I was scared. I was really scared because I couldn't mentally comprehend what had just happened. I knew what must have happened, but then I was like, how, how, you know? So it was just crazy. And obviously, this is blown. not this is not how healing is supposed to work. You're supposed to be a, a channel for the healing to flow through you. You're not supposed to take on your client's pain. So right. don't don't do like I did. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. Wow. So I've heard many people say that we as humans have all the tools we need within us to help healing ourselves, help in healing ourselves. Is this something that you believe in? Do you think we all have that ability within us? It's just a matter of tapping into it. Yes. So, you know, we all have the ability to tap into higher consciousness. Just most of us haven't learned how to do that. But for real healing to happen, we need to be able to do that because we, you know, most real problems that we have, they're created at a soul level. And we cannot understand what's happening on that level if we don't tap into higher consciousness. That being said, for some big healings, you cannot do those for yourself because you cannot be the space holder 
while you're relaxing that deeply. So for example, when we do soul retrievals in shamanism, yeah, theoretically you can do them for yourself. I teach my clients how to, but mostly these healings don't stick, so to say, because when you're facilitating that kind of a deep healing, you can't be the person who receives it at the same time. Those energies are just very different. So that's why it's good that we're not alone in the world. So healers can also go to healers and receive healings. When did you really embrace your gifts and start using them for good to help other people? Yeah, pretty much right after my shamanic training ended. You know, after those initiations, I started a training and I just really had this intense wish for others to be able to experience themselves as love and light because it had changed so much in my life. And so I started to create the transformation, which is really now the first part of my shamanic training. At that time, it was all there was to it. It was a a nine-week training of teaching shamanic journeying and and self-traumatic self-healing. And uh, yeah, I pretty much, I created it while I was in Findhorn in the Eco Village in the Highlands. I lived there with my son for two years, which was an amazing experience. And I started teaching it there and I got such great feedback. And, you know, in Finhorn, people know everything about healing. People are really used to the best healers in the world. And when I realized what this was doing for people and I got such incredible feedback, kind of stopped seeing myself as this little girl who was dabbling in healing. And I realized that this was important. And then from there, I took it online because I knew that I would be able to help so many more people. It's time to step into your gifts. Yeah. And use them for good. How long was your shamanic training? It was close to two years. I mean, with the first teacher that I started, it was two months, very intense two months, because at the same time we were doing a yoga teacher training. So it was really 24 seven. I hardly slept or ate at all during those two months because in the daytime we had the yoga training and in the nighttime she was teaching me shamanism. So it was really crazy time. And yeah. And after that, I started the apprenticeship with an amazing Austrian shaman who's kind of lived and, and worked with indigenous shamans from all around the world. And I first did that group training with her, which was a year long and then I continued to do one-on-one with her for close to another year and yeah then I continued training with Sandra Ingemann so it's kind of like yeah it was all together probably a period of three intense years where I studied. Is that typically how long the training is to become a shaman? I think it's very different. You know, when you are an indigenous shaman and you grow up in a shamanic culture, your training starts when you're little, right? But for us yeah. Westerners, it's really different. There's all kinds of trainings out there and it kind of depends on what exactly you want to learn and how good you want to become. And the the training that I've developed is just five months long. So I basically teach everything that I learned in three years and five months because I've developed the methodology to be able to teach it in a much more powerful way because lots of the things that I learned, you know, I learned core shamanism, which is what all the indigenous traditions have in common, which is what I teach. But I also learned a lot of indigenous things that I don't feel like passing on because I feel like they are taken out of context and can't be as powerful as they are in their original context. So I did not feel called to teaching any indigenous practices. So let's speak a little bit more about shamanism. Can you tell us a little bit more about your personal journey to becoming a shaman and what traditions or practices you draw inspiration from? Yeah, so I really mostly studied core shamanism, and that's also what I teach. So there's so many different shamanic traditions from all around the world, but they all developed at the same time, and they all have the same core practices. And that's what we call core shamanism, or I personally call it holistic shamanism, because core shamanism is a word that Michael Harner specifically uses, who was one of the first to bring shamanism to the West. 
But basically, those practices are the same all around the world. They developed at the same time before these cultures had any way of communicating with each other or even knowing of each other's existence. And that, that goes to show that accessing higher consciousness is really an ability that we all have. It's a human ability. And it developed at roughly at the same time, like 40 to even 100,000 years ago. So shamanism is by far the oldest healing modality in the world. And all the others have really developed from it. And so what core shamanism really is, is two things. It's the ability to access higher consciousness on shamanic journeys. So we put ourselves into a trance state. There's many different ways to do that, but a traditional one is simply by playing the shamanic drum. And it's very, very effective. Most people really feel like, you know, they're they're called home when they hear the shamanic drum. It reminds us of our mother's heartbeat in the womb. It's this feeling of oneness. It's absolutely beautiful. And from there, from this trance state, we can access the subconscious as well as the superconscious. And then the second thing that core shamanism deals with that all the shamanic traditions have in common is shamanic healing. And what that really means is we use shamanic journeying, accessing higher consciousness to restore balance in the system. So everything that is a problem for us really has a soul level issue. So either we have given parts of our soul away, that often happens in, when we are living a traumatic situation, or we have given power away, part of our innate willpower, life force. And on a shamanic healing journey, we can get that back. So this is called extractions and retrievals. So I was okay. just talking really about retrievals and extraction is when you let that go, right? For example, you've retracted yeah. another person's soul parts or negative energies and you let that go. So shamanism really restores that balance. Beautiful. Thank you for clarifying that and explaining that. Lilith, how do you help individuals connect with their spiritual selves and what benefits can spiritual healing bring to a person's life? This is beautifully tying in with what we just talked about. So, you know, every problem that we have really has an origin, you know, like people think that, oh, my back hurts and I have to go see a physiotherapist. And of course, you also have to address the issue on a physical level, but you also need to address where it comes from. So, for example, you might have a soul splinter from someone else in your back and that's what's causing you the pain because it's a burden. It's not of you, right? So that's really the big advantage that shamanism has over other energy healing modalities is that it works at the core of the problem and not at the surface, you know, at the surface with the surface energy of things, which is really amazing. So that's why I love it so much, because we really get to see what's actually going on, what the cause is, the real get cause to the of root something. Of it. Yes, and we can actually move those energies, you know. We work together with power animals, with spirit guides. So these are really energies that are not incarnated, and that's why they can help us move this energy, because we alone in the body, we would not be able to do that. So that's why we talk about becoming the hollow bone in shamanism, because we become this channel for spirit to work through us, and we can really move these energies. We can bring back soul pieces, we can bring back power pieces, and we can let go of energetic burdens. And that's what the benefit really is, that the root cause of whatever is going on with us is really healed. Many people believe that shamanic practices can help address mental health issues such as anxiety, depression. Can you speak to the ways in which shamanic healing can support mental wellness and how it differs from more traditional forms of therapy? Yeah, so obviously to answer the last bit already, how it differs from other therapies is obviously that we work with the soul level energy, right? What we just talked about. And I'm not really an expert when it comes to mental health, but I have experienced anxiety and depression myself. And I can absolutely say that it was shamanism that got me over it, although I did try all kinds of therapies before. So 
And when to no comes, avail, none of those therapies helped at all. No, they didn't. Because it's talking about things, for example, can be very helpful, but it cannot help yeah. you heal all the way. It can be part of the healing. It can be what supports the healing process, what starts the healing process, but it will never get you all the way because the stuff isn't happening in your mind, right? The stuff is happening on a much deeper level. And right. so when it comes to depression, I had postpartum depression for two years, I think I would say. And what really was for me, the key was to realize that depression, what it is on an energetic level, it's suppression. You're suppressing part of who you are. So for me on my shamanic journeys to be able to access myself, you know, when you're a young mother, you are so much in the present moment, but not necessarily in a good way. You have to be physically present. You have to be mentally present. You have to be emotionally present. But your whole spiritual existence is kind of put on the back burner a little bit. And so for me to do my journeys, to reconnect back to who I really am, to my bigness, to my power, that was so healing for me because on a shamanic journey, you just experience your self as love and light as the eternal part of who you are the soul level part of who you are and for me that was really what lifted that depression in the end and it gave me purpose because i started to teach it to other people and i think purpose is the best antidote to depression for sure to know why you're here and to have something that you can give to others and to be of service and when it comes to anxiety anxiety is you know comes back to fear right and it's really like Whatever you are afraid of, you know, because when you have anxiety, you're worrying about stuff, you know, it's everyday stuff, but it's not about that at all. It really comes back to fear and all fears come back to the fear of dying, all of them. And that's why it's so powerful as well to learn shamanic journeying, because you will experience yourself as the eternal part of who you are. And that just takes that fear away because you will realize that nothing real can ever be destroyed. The, the, the eternal part of who you are, your soul, it will be transformed. Yes, when your physical body dies, you will take on another form, but it will not be lost. None of it, not, none of the important stuff can ever be lost. <laughs> and it's such a relief, you know, it's such a relief. It's like, wow, you know, we're just here to play and there is nothing that's really tragic, even the stuff that seems so from our human perspective. But when we journey and enter that bigger perspective, we can just see how beautiful and perfect this system all is and how much sense it makes. That is mind blowing. <laughs> Just incredible. I love it. <laughs> As a shaman, how do you understand the relationship between humans and the natural world? And what advice do you have for those who seek to live in greater harmony with the environment? That's such a beautiful question. You know, I think I have something amazing to share here. So, you know, the tree of life is such a great symbol to understand who we are and how we are connected to all that is. So I got this question today from one of my clients. So basically we are the tree. The roots are symbols for our mortal existence, for the body, for the past. The branches are a symbol for our eternal existence, for the soul, for the future. And the tree trunk is our incarnated existence as eternal beings. It's the heart, it's the present, right? It's where it all comes together. So we are connected to everything. We are nature, we are all that is, we are the universe, and we just have to overcome the illusion of separation that our societies are propagating. And, you know, I feel that harmony with all of life and therefore with the environment as well comes from being at peace with ourselves first. And shamanic journeying and shamanic healing really is a great way to get there. Beautifully said. I love that. Can you speak to how shamanic healing can help individuals work through trauma or past experiences that are blocking them from living life to their fullest potential? Yes. 
Absolutely. I also do trauma healing because I've suffered from trauma myself. And I think it's a really big topic today that concerns so many people. So trauma really leaves us fragmented. We either split part of our soul or we harden or numb our hearts. Or in childhood, parts of ourselves become frozen in time. That's what we call our wounded inner child aspects. And shamanism can help with these emotional and spiritual wounds since it enables us to see and experience these parts of ourselves and work with them directly. So, for example, in a shamanic healing session, I might be taken back to a scene from my client's childhood and I might see the emotional trauma that has led to a physically weak heart that they're struggling with now as an adult. Or I might be taken back to a past life. I just had that happen with a client last week where I saw that she was in a past life persecuted as a witch, which is why she struggles to become visible as a healer today, because there is that trauma there, right? And then with the help of spirit, I can move these energies. I can either take away what doesn't belong or I can bring back what they've lost. And that's when the real healing happens. The real magic happens. Yes, I exactly. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And then, which then allows them to step into their full power and authenticity and who they were meant to be here. Exactly. You know, it takes some aligned action, obviously, also, but all the action yeah. in the world can't make up for that alignment. It has to come first. No, I mean, we have to be willing to put in the work and do the work. It's not going yeah. to just magically happen. Yeah, it has. That's absolutely true. We have to put in the work, we have to take action. But If we have that alignment first, that soul alignment, right, that makes it so much easier, you know, because otherwise we have to force it to happen. And we can do that. You know, we have a lot of willpower. We can roll up our sleeves, but it will cost us our sanity, basically. You know, if we will get burned out, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's where we're seeing in the world. So many women are experiencing right now is burnout. Absolutely. And I've struggled with it myself, even as a healer, you know, because I didn't have the right boundaries, which is why my trainings include that now, because it's absolutely essential, especially for us big hearted, soul led healers who just want to help everybody to have good boundaries, because let's be honest, you can't serve from an empty cup. No, we we have to protect our energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If someone is interested in taking the path or journey to become a shaman, what advice would you give them? I would advise to learn with a real life mentor because many think that you can learn everything from within, but that simply isn't true because spirit is a great teacher, but you know, our spirit guides know fairly little about being incarnated. Many of them never have been. And so it's really important to learn from someone who can also talk to all the practical aspects of being a human, which is important. And also I would advise to learn with someone who's a great teacher because many great healers are not great teachers and they will just throw you into the experience. And so many people come to me with energetic intrusions because someone was guiding them too deep, too fast. And that's just not nice, not something cool to be dealing with. So how would people know that someone as a healer is a great teacher. What are the, what, what well, what ideally, ideally before really making someone your mentor, you can get some kind of first experience with them. Like for example, I have a three day initiation training that people can get to get a feeling from me and to really understand the work that I do because, you know, shamanism is something complex and it's not for everyone, you know, so you want to be sure to really experience it. So that would also you know, be something that I would be looking for before I sign up with a mentor is to get a taste of what they do before really going all in with them. Beautiful advice. Thank you for that, Lilith.
What are a couple of the misconceptions or myths around shamanism that you would like to dispel or debunk? So the biggest misconception, and I feel the one that <laughs> most needs to be talked about, that is that, you know, only people from native indigenous traditions who come from a long line of healers can be powerful shamans. So I agree that as Westerners, we have disadvantages, for sure. We have to undo a lot of unhelpful conditioning that we've grown up with. We have to create some new empowering beliefs. We have to learn how to quiet our minds. And of course, we have to find the right mentor, right? Because someone who grows up in an indigenous tradition, they've been chosen by a mentor, right? From a small right. age. So the path is more difficult for us, but we can be just as powerful. And I would love to see more women who are called to shamanism to really step up and follow that calling and believe in themselves enough to step up and follow it. Because what I see is many women, they doubt themselves and then they go on shaming others for cultural appropriation or whatever the term is. And, and really, you know, core shamanism has nothing to do with culture at all. And there's enough separation going on in the world. So let's yeah. let the world of healing be one of union, right? You know, divisiveness is so rampant in the world today. Yes. Yes. And it's just shocking, you know, how you can just get attacked for doing this type of work. And so many of my students are really hesitant to go out there and call themselves a shaman. But you know, you can't let others define you. You absolutely can't. You know, if this is the calling that's in your heart, if this is how you want to be of service, how you're called to be of service, then this is your purpose. Nobody else can tell you otherwise. Just, you know, women have to start to believe in themselves more again. But I know how difficult that is. I mean, for me, it was really the same thing in the beginning. And it was a revered ninth generation indigenous shaman from the Amazon who's called Kurikindi, who I met when I lived in Findhorn, who first made me realize that I really was a shaman and he gave me that confidence because up until then I had been really shy to call myself that as a white blonde young woman. But he looked me in the eye when we first met and said, ah, I see you are a shaman too. And he didn't know anything about me at the time. That's the first thing he said to me, not hello, you know, wow. and that really struck me. And then I asked him to perform a healing session on me because I really felt that I wasn't ready to step up and to go out there and to do my work. And he really wanted to help with that because he knows, obviously, how important shamanism is for the healing of humanity. And when he did that healing session on me, wow, it did even more to me to boost my confidence because I could see and I could also feel it that he was doing exactly the same thing that I was taught how to do and that I did for my clients. And I realized that, yes, we are absolutely the same. And that was just so beautiful for me. And that's why... You know, I love doing that for my clients when I'm training them, when I'm training my apprentices to give them that confidence. And that's why my training includes practice as well. You know, they, they do hands-on practice because that's when they realize, wow, I have been this all along. This training is just a remembrance of what I have possibly been doing for lifetimes. And this is who I am. That's really important. Now, you mentioned that when he first saw you, he said, wow, you're a shaman too. Have you ever come across anyone that has come to you for the training and you've gotten this sense or this feeling that, no, this is not for you. You're not meant to do this work. Has um, that ever happened? Yes, I have. And that's why I've created the, what I call the shaman initiation, which is my three-day training, because... I wanted to have something to make available to lots of people that would really make it crystal clear if this is for them or not. So in this training, I talk about the 10 signs of a shamanic calling, which is really an eye opener for people, which really makes them realize, is this for me or is it not? Because they will either be like, oh my God, I'm experiencing all 10 signs. And then they will not doubt anymore that this is their calling. Or they will be like, 
no, actually, you know, this is not for me because I don't want to be training those who this isn't for. So this is kind of like my prerequisite to anyone, you know, before I say, okay, I'm taking you on, I'm training you. They have to go through that training because for me, it's just as important as for them that it's the right thing. But can you tell when you connect with someone that, yes, this is for you or no, this is not for you? Yeah, if I would speak to do this work. If I would speak with someone like face to face like this, yes. But usually my first contact with people is like somewhere online and on, you know, on Facebook and in small interactions like that. Usually it's more difficult to tell. I mean, you know, most people who come to me, most women who find me, they are absolutely meant to follow a shamanic calling. But many of them, I can tell from the start, are not going to make it as a businesswoman, which is sad, but it's true. Because right. those two are very different skill sets, you know, to be yeah. a good shaman, to be a good businesswoman is different. And yeah. sadly enough, you know, for some of us, this just has to become something that we do personally, but that we can't make money from because in today's world, like you have to market, you have to sell. And mm-hmm. I teach this as well. This is why I teach it, but not everyone can actually do it. And that's okay. You know, like you can absolutely be just a healer as a hobby for your friends. It can be your personal spiritual practice. It doesn't have to be how you make money. But of course, for many of us, it is. And it's beautiful when it goes together. Well, yeah, I mean, that speaks to the fact that entrepreneurship just is not for everybody. Not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur. It's a tough journey. It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of work. Again, this speaks to like everything else. You got to be a willing to put in the work to make it happen. Absolutely. And that's why after my five months training, I have another five months where I actually teach these women how to build a successful healing business. You know, so I'm making it as easy as I possibly can, but it is really true that it isn't for everyone. And I had to learn that the hard way because in the beginning, this was a full training. It was 10 months long. I didn't have it as two parts. And then I realized this is not fair to many of those women because they will not make it as a businesswoman, which is why I split it up. And now everyone can just, you know, decide I want to do part one or I want to do both parts. And I can, of course, also advise them on that because for me, it's really important to give a lot of personal attention to everyone. So I, I see right. these women weekly and I, I will know, I will be able to tell them because, you know, that, I don't no, want this, this part is not for you. This part exactly. is for you. Right. Exactly. And some women come to me, they're already trained as healers. They just want to do the second part and it's also fine. So every okay. one of us is different. And that's why my training is very personalized because I think that, we have to honor our differences and, you know, we just need custom tailored coaching, whether that's to right. learn how to be a healer or to learn how to have a successful business. Everyone is different and you need someone who's actually willing to sit there and look at you as a whole person and give you custom tailored advice. That's really important. But unfortunately, you won't find that much, you know, like you can't. Yeah. You can't buy a 30,000 euro business coaching and nobody's actually going to sit there. You're just going to get generic advice. Nobody has the willingness to sit there and and look at all of who you are and tell you, okay, so I think this part of the training is not so important for you. You can go here, you can do this. I advise you do this, but I do that for my clients because that's what you do when you work with heart and soul is you really see people for who they are. Yeah. When you're heart centered, it's very different, right? Yes. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that helps you become successful, Lilith? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a combination of a few superpowers, to be honest. So first of all, there's my hardwired belief in magic, that life is magical, that I am magic. And I have my mother to thank for that. She died when I was eight, but this is something that she really left me with, this deep belief in magic that I get to talk to here, that people get to listen to this. That's magic. Like 
know, that I get to hug my child every morning. That is magic. That we have lights on in the house. That is magic. And it's a choice if you see life like that or if you don't. So for me, that is one of those superpowers because I also just see the magic in others, you know, and, and that's what enables me to be a good teacher. And that's, I think, the other thing is I am a good teacher. I am a good coach because I understand what it takes for others to get there. You know, many people, they got there. They don't know how they did it. They're not good at teaching it, right? And then, you know, I have a really big heart. Like I really want to <laughs> support everyone. I want to help everyone. And I have a really great connection to spirit. And I'm a great creatrix, you know, I managed to capture the essence of these deep teachings and transform them into beautiful, powerful practices. That's really, I think, what I, I love the most about my work and what I'm really good at. So yeah, combination of that. <laughs> I love it. Speaking of success, Lilith, what does that word mean to you? How do you define the word success? So for me, there's really three elements that go into that. First of all, success means to be of service to others, of real deep service. The second thing is you are of service while you're expressing your innermost self. You're doing the work that you're meant for. That's your destiny. That's a direct expression of who you are. And therefore it feels so fulfilling. It's not success if it's not fulfilling. And the third aspect is that you receive great money in return. You know, you have an income that matches the great impact for good that you have in the world. I love it. But there are so many people out there, and this breaks my heart when I think about it, that never find out what their true purpose is, why they're here. And they go through life working in a shitty dead end job that they fucking hate. And it just, it breaks my heart that there are so many people out there that never discover their passion or their purpose here on this planet. Yes, absolutely. And you know, that is because we live in a world of beta frequencies. So our brain waves are mostly Beta, it's a frequency of separation. So it's, you know, me versus you, us versus them. It's just a frequency of, of war, of destruction, of poverty, right? But the good thing is that we are shifting collectively into yes. the age of the alpha frequencies, which is really the frequency of meditation. And you know what the amazing thing about shamanism is? It's not even alpha, it goes further. It goes into the delta and the theta frequencies. Theta, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's why shamanism is such a powerful catalyst also for us collectively because it helps shift those vibrations in the right direction. And as that happens, we're going through this mass awakening. More and more people are realizing that they are more than a body with thoughts and feelings. So this is shifting. But that being said, you know, this kind of consciousness develops over many lifetimes. So there is actually nothing right. wrong with those people going through life and not realizing anything at all, because it was the same for us at some point, you know, when we were young souls, it's just yeah. like an issue of being born again and again, making experiences. And at some point being an old wise soul before you stop incarnating altogether, that's just a journey that we are all on. And so from a human perspective, yes, it is heartbreaking, but from a spiritual perspective, it is just normal. And these souls have all decided to come in. It was their choice. And, uh, you know, that's really powerful to realize that really there are no victims. You know, we are all choosing our destiny and we are all attracting the experiences that we have. And that is something that can be difficult for us to understand from a human perspective, mm -hmm. but from a spiritual perspective, it is that way. And it can really help us to shift how we think of ourselves and see ourselves and empower ourselves. Because, you know, when you decide that what happens to you happens for you, then yes, you are in charge. That, 
tiny little shift in languaging, right? Then you are empowered and you're not a victim no matter what happens. You know, I mean, I got like bitten by a dog four months ago. I felt pretty sorry for myself. I couldn't walk for two months. And I had to remind myself of that truth, you know. I was so angry at that dog at first because I I was just driving past on on her scooter. I had done nothing at all to that dog. And then, you know, you have to shift your perspective, you know, and in the end, I needed that to happen. There's a lot of things that happened afterwards that made me realize so many things. And my life has taken another magical turn since then. And, you know, I have completely healed my foot. The doctor said I would basically be a cripple for the rest of my life. And I said, wow, no. And it's been four months now and I'm back to my yoga practice, you know, so my foot, you can hardly see it. My foot is healed, you know, and that's proven to me once again that I am in charge and I have the power and I attracted that fucking dog because I was not filling my own cup. That day, my son had a really bad injury and I was feeling really drained after sleepless night. And instead of lying down in the bed and letting my partner go to the hospital with him, I had to go to the hospital with him. And on the way there, it happened, you know, because I didn't take care of myself first. So that is a really hard lesson for healers, for mothers, that we have to put ourselves first. But it taught me that in a much more powerful way. And since then, I've made different boundaries with my family that has benefited everyone in the end. So, you know, whatever happens to you, it's always for a reason, even when it feels bad at first. I I think it's very important for us to remember that there's also always a silver lining or a lesson in every situation that happens for us. Absolutely. We have to be able to take a step back. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to do, but we have to be able to take a step back and examine the situation, look at it from an outside point of view to see and take the lesson in that and learn from it to move forward. Exactly. And that is really the powerful thing when we do learn, because unfortunately what happens for many of us, we don't learn. And so we repeat the lesson again and again and again and again. (laughs) And for me, before that dog bite happened, there were many moments the weeks before where I was reminded that I needed to make some shift in our family dynamic to take care of myself better. And I didn't because I love taking care of people and of my family and I love them all so much. And I didn't pay enough attention to the fact that I was getting drained. And so that was the lowest point, you know, and the dog reminded me of that. And then I had to be in bed for two months. Everyone had to take care of me for a change. So your rest was forced. Exactly. And that's what happens when we don't listen, you know, to our bodies, when we feel like someone else or something else is more important than ourselves. It never is. You will never benefit anybody by, you know, giving what you don't have in the moment. Well, this is also, I mean, let's be honest, this is a very, very common trait among women. They put themselves on the back burner constantly and everybody else ahead of themselves. Absolutely. So that needs to shift. Yes. And what I feel is really important for that also is for men to realize that they are the space holders. Because we women, we feel like nobody's holding the space for us and we have to step up and do everything, but we're not supposed to be the doers. Of course, we have to also take action with human beings. Everyone has to take action. But I feel like we're always putting our pants on and trying to do everything and be everything for everyone because men don't know anymore how to hold space. And that's not their fault either. They weren't taught how to do it. You know, this is where we are at as a society right now. And that has to change because... For women to be at their most powerful and to be giving and loving and to nurture everyone, they have to be held. And men have to learn how to do that again. And this was this process for my partner for realizing that he had failed to do that. And that's where it all, it ended 
up, you know, with me in, yeah. in bed for two months and him having to carry me everywhere. That that's what happened, you know. And from there on, we had a few serious discussions about how he can hold space better, and things have been much much better since then. So. This is really something that we have to learn collectively also. You know, we have to, men have to learn how to embody their divine masculinity more, you know, because what we're living today, women as well as men, is this toxic masculinity of pushing, of, you know, like always climbing higher. Yeah, it's it's this hustle culture. And women do it all the time. I see it all the time, you know. So women have to learn how to embrace their divine femininity again, you know, how to relax. And that only happens when men can learn how to hold space. And so this is just a reminder for all of us that we have some learning to do. Yeah. I mean, I believe it's our responsibility as men to step up and do exactly that and let women know that we are here. We are standing shoulder to shoulder with you and we see you, we hear you and we support you. That's why we're here. We need to come together. Yes, of course, we have the masculine and feminine, but I think that we need to, in order to move forward, we need to leave the shit behind that women have had to deal with the patriarchy and all the bullshit. Acknowledge it. Absolutely. Of course, we have to. Otherwise, we can't move forward. But I think we need to leave it behind and come together now as human beings, not as masculine versus feminine, male versus female. Let's just come together as human beings and stand beside each other and support each other and rise up together. That's how we're going to get shit done in this world. Yes, I totally agree. And, you know, it's about realizing that everyone, no matter if you identify as a woman or as a man, you have both within you, right? Yes, yes. And I actually think that the big transgender movement, it's such a beautiful illustration of that, that we have both. I I just love it. It's such a beautiful reminder of the fact that we are both. And it's we have to live both of these sides they need to be in balance. And of course, a woman always is going to have more of the feminine energy. A man is going to have more of the masculine, but they need to find balance within ourselves so that that balance can also be found in couples and for us as a collective as well. And, you know, that starts with personal healing. You know, that starts with rising above our stories, above our circumstances and coming back to who we really are on a soul level, because it's from there that we can activate these energies, make a shift in who we are. It is so much bigger than all of us and we need to put the ego aside and step into it and start doing this work because it's going to benefit the collective. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life and what was your life like before learning it? What was your life like after you learned it? I think we could talk about shamanic journeying here again, but I know that I've talked <laughs> enough about no, it. No, it's, so, okay. it's okay. No, I, I think it's an important skill. Everyone should learn it. It's about learning, you know, accessing higher consciousness. But I think another thing that was really, really essential in my journey was to learn how to love again after grief. Because, you know, my mom died when I was eight and I had two little brothers. I had to take care of them and my dad really couldn't. And that led me to really have a very overactive mind. You know, I I defined myself by my intelligence, by my looks. And I really lived in fear, in anxiety, in guilt, self-judgment. And I was really disillusioned about life. And 
once I learned to heal and open my heart again, life became beautiful again. You know, I had to face that pain and what was hard, what had hardened inside of me. It took years, but it was worth it because what is life without love? And I feel that so many of us, we do this. We suffer from trauma and then we close down, you know, and I, I still learn every day to love myself and others in the world more and more. And every day there are so many situations where we have to make a choice between fear and love, you know. And fear can take on the form of anger, of judgment, of guilt, of worries. And it's always easier to choose these. It's very human, you know. Take the but easy way. <laughs> exactly. But ultimately, it's when we choose love that life becomes fun and exciting and joyful and that it feels like freedom and abundance. And that's in turn what we're going to manifest also, you know. So that brings us full circle back to shamanic <laughs> journeying because that really helped me immensely on that journey to open my heart again, to heal. And uh, yeah, it's really experience myself as who I am on those deeper levels to experience how beautiful I am. And yeah, just to find my way back to love again and again. We are love and that is the highest frequency and vibration there is. Exactly, yeah. So powerful, I love that. What does the word empowerment mean to you, Lilith? Ah, oh, that's a really good question. I think that empowerment is really about allowing ourselves to be all that we can be. You know, it's what we talked about before. It's about allowing ourselves to step into our power instead of feeling like a victim to our circumstances, because it's so easy, right? You think that this happened and therefore this is how you need to feel now, or this happened and that's why your life is bad or whatever. And true empowerment really means like, taking things back into your own hands and realizing that, no, your life is your own creation and you need to empower yourself to really allow yourself to live that, to acknowledge that, to take that power back for yourself. And of course, empowerment can also mean that we help others to do that. That's part of it for sure. I mean, I believe that part of the reason we're all here is to do exactly that, to support each other, lift each other, cheerlead each other. That's a huge part of why we're here. Yeah. It's our obligation, I think, to do that. Yeah. And you know what? It's so crazy because we all come here as unique beings. Nobody else is like us. And all that we actually need to do to be of service to others, as well as experience all the fulfillment we want, is to be who we are. Yeah. But we forget it, you know. It, who we really are is like covered up with lots of bad experiences and bad beliefs and everything. And we, it's like we have to peel off these layers again, you know becoming who we really are isn't really about adding anything. It's about taking things away. It's so fucked up because when we're born, we are who we are. We like, it is what it is. And it's all this societal conditioning, parental conditioning, religious can all of this shit that puts all that onto us. And as you said, as we go through life, we have to peel it back to rediscover who yeah. we were. Yeah. And you know what? That journey is completely inevitable it's obvious that it's going to happen although it's painful because you know i thought as a mother well i have so much awareness of the trauma that i had to experience in my childhood i'm not going to make the same mistakes and my son goes to an alternative school you know we live here in the middle of bali in nature he runs around freely outside he has four pets it's like he knows all about shamanism he lives all of that life and still he struggles with his human existence already at age seven you know he sometimes wow. doesn't feel good enough and he feels bullied by other kids sometimes. And today he said, I want to invite nobody to my birthday, mommy. And I have to realize that, you know, 
you you can't be a perfect parent. They come in with their own struggles. They come in with their own soul journey. And all we can do as parents is, is best support that. And of course, it helps if we are telling them the truth about life from the start and they don't have to discover it in kind of all kinds of painful ways. Of course, my son is going to have an advantage to what it was like for me. But we also have to realize that this is what the human life is like. We come from oneness, we go away from oneness, and then we come back. This is the journey that we are all on. I think, though, as kids, those struggles, the pains that they go through, the lessons, it's necessary to shape who they become. They have to learn through experience, through failing, falling, all of that stuff. That's part of their journey. And you know, I was just talking about this yesterday. We can't, as parents, always be there to protect them. You know, they have to learn. And that means falling and learning to pick themselves up and deal with some of those things. Yes, of course, as a parent, we always want to protect them. We don't want to see our kids hurt. But unfortunately, that's how they're going to learn and we have to let it happen. Yeah, that is really because hard. Because that lesson. shapes who they become. Yep. I totally agree. And it's a really hard lesson to just sometimes stand back. You know, I had yeah. to really learn that, you know, to sometimes let my son suffer because I realized that no matter what I did, that's what he was experiencing right now. I couldn't save him from the experience. Yeah. It's, it is a very hard lesson. I mean, kids don't come with instruction manuals. It's the biggest on the job training you will ever yes. experience yes. in your life. Absolutely. Like being a mom is definitely a much harder job for me than being a healer. <laughs> <laughs> because that's just naturally who you are. It's in your DNA. Yeah. Right? And, you know, yeah. And I'm naturally very good as a mom also. But, you know, your kids come to help you. You know, it's, it's yes, not. And they are our biggest teachers. Exactly. And so I threw my son. I was forced to look at all the stuff that happened in my childhood again and start to heal and process. And that's a gift, but it's not easy. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions is just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Magical. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Shamanic journey. <laughs> of course. What else? Oh, of course. <laughs> What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? How much love I have to give. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Mm, my mother back in her physical form. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? I would love to be remembered as Lilith, as a goddess in a human body, larger than life, magical, and shining so brightly, showering everyone with so much love that all those she came into contact with started to shine just as brightly. What is one of your favorite quotes? The 14th Dalai Lama said, the Western woman will save the world. And, you right. know, it's like, for me, that means, you know, we have the spiritual and the economic power to make big shifts happen fast. Beautiful. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What challenge in your life has shaped you the most? My mother's death, for sure. Yeah. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? That I am capable of having a real family. You know, I, I struggled so much with that because I grew up in such a fragmented, dysfunctional family. And I would repeat all these patterns with the men in my life. And uh, our son is seven now. And his dad and I are finally together as a couple. And it's finally working. And it took us like 10 years to get here. So 
Yeah, wow. I didn't believe anymore that I was capable of that. But yes, I, I am. What's one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn in their life at some point? It's the importance of connecting to ourselves on the soul level. It's like we go through life so much and, you know, we think and we feel and we do, but we completely forget the bigger picture purpose of it all. So to reconnect to our soul and to our purpose is really the most important thing that brings so much healing to all of us if we can just remember that. And it's also a skill that needs to be learned, you know? Yeah. It's a practice. You get just you just yeah. get better at it the more you try. Again, putting in the work. Yeah. I see a common theme here, Lilith. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Spiritual practice, you know, you need to be dedicated to it for sure. Yeah. yeah. What is your why? The big why behind my work is really the spiritual and financial empowerment of women healers, which in turn is going to have a great ripple effect on the peace and prosperity of all of humanity. Beautifully said. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with <laughs> one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Alive or dead? doesn't matter. Whatever you choose. Well, if dead, it would be my mother. I can yeah. connect to her in spirit. But having her sit next to me, you know, really seeing her face while she speaks to me, that would really mean the world. She, you know, she died when I was so young, so I, I really hardly remember her. I mean, I feel the essence of her. I feel how much I am like her, but it would just be amazing to have her there in the flesh, if even just for one hour. And if it would be an alive woman, then I, I think I would choose Esther Hicks. You know, she's okay. such a pure channel. I think, you know, being in her presence alone would be incredible. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? To not let others' opinions about me define who I am. You know, to realize that what they think of me is a reflection of themselves and has very little to do with me. And that whoever doesn't appreciate me for who I am is just not worth my time and energy. It's simply not for me. So basically, to make loving myself my only job in life. <laughs> now, because self-love really inspires the right actions that will lead to everything that we want and also everything that we need in life. And at the same time, it will fuel our purpose, you know, how we serve others by being who we are. Self-love is the foundation for everything, absolutely everything in life. It all starts with us. Yes, because wherever you go in life, there you are, right? So if you don't love yourself, what's the point of anything at all? You know, so it's That's it's right. just like something that we constantly should work on and really put, yeah. put an emphasis well, on. That relationship with self is the most important and longest standing relationship we will ever have throughout the course of our lives. Yep. So we, we need to work on it. It's important. It's imperative to our Absolutely. existence. You know, that's coming back again to shamanic journeying because, <laughs> you know, you when you experience yourself on that deep level, you realize that there is nothing that's not to love about you. I love that. Lastly, Lilith, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I think I wouldn't use any words at all. If I think if I had 30 seconds and it was the last thing, I would sing. You know, I would let my voice fly from my heart without any words and just express my essence and in doing so touch everyone else's. Lilith, thank you so very much for taking the time to be here with me today. I have thoroughly enjoyed every minute of this conversation. It has been incredibly educational, inspirational, beautiful, 
just an amazing conversation. Thank you for educating me and for sharing your journey and your story, your wisdom, your knowledge. I appreciate you and I am so grateful to be connected to you. And thank you for being a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you for making and taking the time to be here with me today and share your journey and your wisdom with me. I appreciate you so much. Oh, you are so welcome. And I can just return that and say thank you so much for having me and for asking all these amazing questions. Because honestly, you know, the wrong questions can totally obscure a subject and you just asked all the right ones. So thank you so much for illuminating this subject, helping me do that. Thank you very much. That means the world to me. I appreciate you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Lilith Moon. She is a healer, a modern day shaman, business coach, and the creator of Shamanic Yoga. Thank you so much, Lilith. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Bye, Brad. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.